Live Creative Now, episode 123. Welcome to Live Creative Now with Melissa Dinwiddie, a weekly podcast to inspire you to create your art and share your work. Because that's how you will change the world. Hello, I am Melissa Dinwiddie, passion floor light artist, happiness catalyst, and creativity instigator, and author of The Creative Sandbox Way, which you can find at an Amazon near you, here to address all your questions about living a full-color creative life. Whether you think of yourself as not artistic, not creative, which is a lie, or you think of yourself as an artist of any kind, or anything in between, no matter how you define yourself. Feeding your creative hungers makes you feel more alive. It's how you change your life. And it's how you change the world because that's how it works. Change your life and the world changes. Before we get started with today's episode, just a quick note that I have still got a spot left at my Create and Incubate Retreat, which is only three weeks away. It's September 13th through 17th, Wednesday through Sunday, five days and four nights to incubate your next creative project distraction-free in an intimate atmosphere of safety and fun. Laughter guaranteed. (laughs) So come join us, createandincubateretreat.com. That's createandincubateretreat.com. Dot com. That spot might just have your name on it. And if it does, I would love to have you there. All right. This episode today is another listener spotlight. And listener spotlights are exactly what they sound like. I feature a podcast listener whose life has been changed for the better in some way, big or small because of the podcast. And today's featured listener for the spotlight is Janet Fowlow, who applied for the listener spotlight by writing an iTunes review, that's how you apply, and sending me the following email. Janet wrote, Hi, Melissa, I'm a huge fan of yours and a longtime listener of your podcast. I found out about you through Corey Huff of The Abundant Artist. And I wanted to officially raise my hand to volunteer to be a listener interviewee for your podcast. There have been so many times I've listened to your show, but the one thing I have taken away from it is to practice my creativity as much as I can, tiny and daily. This has been very important in my life and very therapeutic as I have a very rare brain disorder called intracranial hypertension literally too much water slash fluid on the brain. And I have severe anxiety and depression as well. I also work long hours serving others with disabilities. Sometimes I just come home and to unwind, unwind, I take one hour to myself, put on your podcast and paint slash create something. As Martha Stewart calls it, it's a good thing that I look forward to. I also wanted to thank you no matter if I'm picked or not, to speak with you for speak with you on the air for your support of the arts. So many people see the arts as frivolous or luxurious by nature, 
and they have no idea how important and therapeutic the arts are to our survival, to our sense of expression, and to our sense of ourselves as individuals, communities, and cultures. So for that, a sincere thanks. Below is my review, as posted on iTunes. Quote, As a longtime listener and fellow passion pluralite, I have nothing but good things to say about Melissa. Even more so, I applaud Ms. Dinwiddie for her commitment to the arts and to understanding her many hidden audiences. For example, I myself have multiple disabilities and am often encouraged by Melissa's candor, wit, honesty, and mostly practice of self-compassion. Her first commandment of creative practice, tiny but daily, has been a therapeutic lifesaver for me and I am sure countless others. So hop on board, hear about her daily artistic practice, struggles, successes, and well-earned life lessons. They will be sure to inspire you for many years to come. Sincere regards, Janet L. Fallow, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Wow. (laughs) Thank you so much for that amazing review, Janet, and for that amazing email that landed in my box. Needless to say, that application was a very easy yes, super easy yes. And we had a video call just the other day, which I recorded, and I am so beyond delighted to share it with you. I think you're really going to get a lot out of it. We touched on a lot of different themes, uh, which I won't even bother to... (laughs) I have them in the show notes, but I won't even bother to um, preview them. Uh, Just we'll share with you that Janet is from Springdale, Newfoundland, Canada. And she is a respite support worker and an emerging artist. And I will let her share the rest of her story in her own voice. So without further ado, here is my conversation, Listener Spotlight with Janet Fellow. Welcome, Janet. It's so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for being a listener spotlight. Spotlight. (laughs) Thank you so much for inviting me, Melissa. Well, your your um, letter that you wrote me was so wonderful, and I couldn't not have you on. So why don't you? First off, tell everyone what it is that you do. Well, uh, actually, what I do here, I'm actually based out of Toronto, Ontario. And what I do is I'm called a respite support worker. So I work with people with disabilities on a daily basis as a life skills worker, a teacher, I should say. And uh, I also help families by offering support services. So it could be anything from home organizing or uh, sometimes with uh, when you have disabilities here in Canada, you have to deal with uh, government applications for certain uh, monetary support and that kind of thing. And that can get pretty complicated. So I help families with that, too. Cool. And I know that creativity has played a really big part for you in in that part of your life. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, a lot of times when I have clients, uh, one of the biggest things that we do is try to put art 
into our daily um, practice. So I have an art studio set up in my home. And uh, what I try to do when I have clients is to have them over to that art studio. And we try to integrate art into a programming. So uh, sometimes my clients will just have a day of art as a day of relaxation. Or sometimes I'll bring them to a local museum or to an art gallery. Uh, A lot of times, um, though, what I'll do is I will use art as a way to communicate. So I have one client, for example, that when he didn't know how to talk to his loved ones, we sat down and we used art as a way to uh, help him communicate through uh, making cards. So he used writing and drawing as a way to speak to his loved ones in a way he previously couldn't before. And it was amazing. It was his way of, and he does it tiny and daily, which I really, really love from um, your... um, The Creative Sandbox way. That's that's right. (laughs) Sorry. So love that makes me so happy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> really taking tiny and daily to a whole new level. So he, and we do it on a regular basis. So it's really, really been an inspiration for us. Wow. So how, talk a little bit more about that. So how does he, how does he do it tiny and daily? What, what, what exactly is he doing? So we just take, it could just be a, um, re- just a regular piece of paper and he'll just take his markers or his pencils and sometimes we paint something out and he'll just write down how he's feeling at the moment. And he's, you know, he's not a professional artist or anything like that. Sometimes it's just stick people and he just writes from the bottom of his heart. And it's been transformational for both of us because I've done the same thing too. So it's really, really great. And he does it on a, on a fairly regular basis. So, but he, he won't do it like, an artist trying to make a million dollars. He just does it tiny and daily and it makes a huge difference in his life. Oh my God. Well, I totally relate to that because that's how I use my, my, my daily doodle practice. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing these tiny little, I know I'm, I've I've been playing with calling them uh, miniature black and white abstract drawings. (laughs) otherwise known mm-hmm. as doodles. <laughs> Same exact thing, right? I'm not doing yeah. them to make a million dollars. I'm not even doing them to make a dime. I'm not doing them to make any money at all. I'm doing them be- because they make a difference for my life. They make me feel better. They exactly. change my emotional state. They they make me happy, right? Same exact mm-hmm. thing. Art is mm-hmm. powerful. How, how mm-hmm. amazing that you're doing this with your clients. It's so incredibly cool. Yes, yes. I even have another client that is on the autism spectrum and to take it even a step further for him, he uses coloring as a way of self-regulation. So for him just to completely de-stress, he colors literally all day long. Wow. So that's his kind of his daily mantra is just to color all day long. So he's in a day program. So he's more on, um, and uh, there's a spectrum with uh, autism spectrum, obviously, and he's in lower functioning, but he really, really loves what he does. 
So he really takes the tiny daily to almost an extreme level. (laughs) But but it really has become, that is what really, um, it sets him apart from other people. But everybody knows like, okay, here's so-and-so and and that is his thing. So it's so precious for him. So, you know, everybody respects him for it too. Wow. Wow. Well, I mean, that's if you pick up just about any of those adult coloring books that are out in the bookstores. And, you know, my creative sandbox community, we produced our own adult coloring book uh, as a collaborative Mm -hmm. project last year. Mm -hmm. You flip them over and on the back or on the front cover, they all say, you know, de-stress with coloring, Mm -hmm. because that's what it does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a great Mm -hmm. de-stressing tool. Self-regulation yep. outlet. That's that is so cool. Mm-hmm. And he would do it with you too. So it's like you would color one thing, and then he would color another, and then you go back and forth, and you just be like, "Wow, this is so relaxing." And you have no idea. Oh, that yeah. is so cool. Yeah. Well, tell. I'd love to hear some more about your own story about. You know, you you went from having no issues with creating to mm-hmm. having a lot of issues. So, so tell me about what happened with you. Well, for me, um, my actually, my personal history is I am an art school grad. Um, many years ago, I went to the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design, which is in uh, Nova Scotia here in Canada. And with, you know, flights of fancy of being an artist. and um, life circumstances being what they were, um, I went off on another path, uh, like many people do. Um, but at a certain point, um, I actually ended up going into, uh, early childhood education Oh, and, and, um, had just went into college for that and got diagnosed with a very severe disability which kind of hit me right in the middle of my studies. And that affected not just my studies, but also my ability to create. So I went from being able to do a complete painting to all of a sudden not being able to have the focus to complete a painting, which is something I never, excuse me, (coughs) which is something that I never had an issue with before. So my focus went from zero to, you know, hero to zero. (laughs) And now if I complete a piece, it's a big deal. So my focus is not like it was before. So that's, that's a piece that I mourn myself because, you know, I, I harbor ideals of still being that artist, that professional artist. And part of me wonders if that's even possible. Wow. Yeah. So because the, the, I have a brain condition and um, because of it, it affects my cognition quite a bit and it affects my memory. So a lot of times I'll jump from one idea to another, to another, to another, and not be able to keep to one thing for too long. So I'll go to an art store and I'll see one particular idea or one particular thing and I'll see, Oh, I want to buy those coffee markers this week or <laughs> and the next week I'll next week I'll want to buy something else and the next week I'll be in to, on top of something else. And really it's 
me not being able to focus on one particular thing because either my memory is not there or my interest is not there or um, me just not being able to focus on one thing for too long. And it's difficult because I want to be able to have that focus. Sure. And And I haven't been able to. So, yeah. So I know that feeling of lack of focus is something that's so, you know, so many people, you know, complain about. That's something that, you know, that's pretty epidemic. But for you, it sounds like that's a a, a brain condition that you have that's a diagnosed mm-hmm. condition. So it's even, yes. you know, more severe than yes. for the average Josephina, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and, and that's something that, um, did that come on slowly for you? Or was that sort of an overnight thing? How did that happen? Well, apparently, uh, the condition I have is called intracranial hypertension. It hits about one in a 100,000 people. Mm. So it's a fairly rare condition. Uh, not extremely rare, but it's still fairly rare. Um, basically, um, it affects my memory, so I'm going to have to ask you what the question is again. <laughs> oh, um, th- uh, how how did it come on? Was it something that was sudden, oh, yes. or was it was it a slow process of um, developing? It, it- it wasn't a slow process. It was something that came fairly sudden. So within a matter of months, mm. it, it developed. So probably within six months, I started showing fairly bad symptoms. So it was um, me all of a sudden not being able to hear things correctly. I wasn't able to remember uh, lists correctly. I wasn't able to... Uh, focus correctly, different things like that. And is that a treatable condition? It's treatable, certain lifestyle changes, and there's certain medications for it, but it's a lifelong condition for the most Mm. part, yes. I can imagine that that must have been uh, pretty traumatic. Uh, It was traumatic, but I was more, it was more traumatic to see other people's reactions to my diagnosis Mm. so i went through everything from seeing pity to dismay to um judgment to complete denial um so it was interesting I, i had a lot of friends that didn't stick around because of it wow so yeah it was it was interesting it was an interesting period of my life now, I did have people that, that stuck it out more for me, too, so it wasn't all negative. Uh, and this college that I was involved with I did quite a bit to help me out, too, so oh, it was that's very good. good. That kind of yeah. thing, though, I would imagine that that would really affect your sense of your identity. Uh, as a creative person, definitely. Um, for me, it was... I didn't know, and I still go through periods of this where it's like, I don't know how to define myself anymore. Yeah. I go through identity crisis after identity crisis sometimes because I've gone through a number of career changes in my life and, I, and I'm and i fairly young. I'm only around my mid-30s. 
So for me to go through yet another, and this one was unplanned. <laughs> so, and a lot of times this hits the disabled community is that when you get hit with a disability and it's on, you know, it's not something you're born with, then it's kind of like, what now? What do you do? Right. Right. So you've kind of got to use your own life as a canvas at that point. And it's kind of like taking a used canvas and having to reuse it again. Yeah. Because, because you really can't do anything except for do that. You have to kind of whitewash everything all over again and go from there. That's a really wonderful metaphor. I had mm-hmm. not, I've not heard that. That's beautiful. It, it just makes me think so much about, you know, when I, I was a dancer in my teen, late teens and the year that I turned 20 is when I got injured. And, and for the next five years, I was on the quest for the miracle cure, which uh, I didn't really find. And that really was the end of that dream of being a dancer and that identity of, you know, I am different. I am special. I am a dancer. And I had Mm -hmm. to redefine myself. And I, and that's really, that metaphor is so beautiful. (laughs) That's really what I had to do. I had to like whitewash that canvas and figure out what, what next. Yeah. And I had like really, really big dreams as to how to do that. Like, what I wanted to do too. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I was on this personally, I was on this quest to like, you know, end homelessness by helping children when they're very young and this big, huge thing. Right. So <laughs> to be stopped kind of dead in my tracks, it was kind of like, no, you're not going to end homelessness by doing this <laughs> after all. Yeah. Just, just a little dream. Ending homelessness. Just a little dream, right? <laughs> so, you know, I've, I've always been like pie in the sky growing up. So, yeah. But, yeah. A woman after my own heart. <laughs> 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 so what, what, um, so what is the timeline are we talking about? When, when did you have this diagnosis? How long ago was this? About three and a half years ago. Wow, that's fairly recent. Yeah, it's very recent. Yeah, so it's been what a lot did of you, changes. So what did you do? What did I do? I was depressed for a long time. Mm-hmm. But uh, thankfully in Canada we have, uh, and I should say in Ontario, the province that I'm in, uh, we have uh, a disability support program which helps financially and job-wise as well sometimes. So I was able to apply, and thankfully I got accepted for that, so that offers some financial aid. Um, Also, while you're on that program, you're allowed to work. So what I ended up doing is I found myself, ironically, helping those that needed help just like me. Wow. The, The one job that I was able to do without getting fired was to work for myself. So... You know, because there is still stigma towards hiring people with disabilities, unfortunately. Yeah. And because of my memory issues with the condition, there's a lot of jobs I can't do or people won't hire me to do. So, you know, it's like, why don't you work at a coffee shop? Well, I can't remember the items on the the menu. 
So it's different things like that, right, that you don't think about until you're faced with them. So for me, I was like, well, if nobody will harm me, then I'll make my own job. <laughs> so I was doing respite work, working with the disabled, as a, when I was in college. And that continued to be a part of my life even after college, after the diagnosis. So I just expanded on that when I got out. And it, it's been a bit bumpy, but it's been consistent. So, yeah. I would imagine that there's something really empowering about being able to support other people when you're going through something that's really challenging. Because I know for myself, when I'm in a tough place, one of the things that I find really helpful is uh, putting my attention on um, helping somebody else who's going through a challenging thing. Mm -hmm. Have you mm -hmm. found that to be true for, your, for you? Uh, it can be. It can be very draining, though, too. <laughs> yeah. I find for myself... Um, I don't practice very good self-care sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm very much about serving others. So, and that's just a statement. That's not me trying to be full of myself or anything. I just, that's just the type of person I am. So, and respite work is very demanding work. When, once you're good at it, then everybody wants you to do the work 10 times more. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I get, I get phone calls that, one o'clock in the morning from some of my clients. So it's hard to maintain boundaries sometimes, yeah. but, um, you know, cause they don't understand them sometimes, but, um, yeah, it's, it's good to give. Definitely. It's, it's definitely good when you feel like you're advocating for somebody when you know that they have nobody else. Yeah, it's definitely good. It feels good that way. To say you want, well, if nobody does this for this person, this person's going to fall between the cracks. So you're the person that the universe has sent to, f to fill in the gap. Yeah. So that's the way I look at it at times. <clears throat> well, and I certainly know that in the fields, um, the, the more um, giving fields, <laughs> social work mm -hmm. and things like that, th that uh, challenge of setting boundaries is kind of epidemic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it is, you know, burnout is, is an ongoing challenge in those fields, for sure. Yes. Yeah. But what I wanted to ask you about is, you know, of course, everybody has, everybody's given a, you know, delta hand of cards, essentially, right? We all have, mm -hmm. we all have challenges, we all have areas that are easy and areas that are hard in our lives, right? So we all have a deck of cards. And so the challenge for each of us is to, with the with the cards that we are dealt, to figure out what are we going to do with those cards, right? How are we going to make the best of them? How are we going to, you know, if we want to live creative lives, full color lives, how are we going to make that happen, right? How are we going to deal with the challenge that we have? And, you know, if we want to 
do our creative things, how are we going to make that happen? Because we only we each of us only has 24 hours in the day, and we need to get enough sleep and we need to, you know, eat well, we need to, you know, do all the things, right? So how are we going to make it happen? So and you have these particular challenges, you've got the inter intracranial hypertension, and you've got, um, as a result, shortened times of focus and, and um, memory issues and stuff like that. So how do you how do you get your creating in? How do you make it happen? How do you live a creative life and a full color life given your particular set of challenges? I try as much as I can to, for one thing, is not to be feeling guilty when I don't get it done. Mm, I love it. Because there's no point to hang a noose over my head and say, you didn't get your art done today. Yeah. Oh, you're a bad, bad artist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't really do much good. No, it doesn't. <laughs> right? I mean, I've tried to sit down and write a schedule and say, okay, well, I'm going to get my creative sandbox time in every Wednesday night. And that's it. And kerplunk, it does not happen. <laughs> It's like, no, I get a client that calls or somebody visits or I have a bad, you know, illness day or I have a massive headache or a migraine or, you know, it's like 8,000 other things happen, right? It's like everybody's life. So, you know, I have to shift it to another day or it just doesn't happen, right? So there's no point to cry over spilled milk or spilled paint i guess in this regard but (laughs) or unspilled paint right (laughs) or unspilled paint right in this regard that's a good one but um yeah so but i mean i always have my studio materials out so whenever i feel the urge to do whatever i want to do then it's there that was a good tip that I picked up from another artist was to say, always have everything ready so that, you know, my cup with my water in it has always got the water in it. Yes. So that whenever I want that 15 minutes, or for me, it's got to be an hour. Or I don't find it's worth it for me mm-hmm. personally. So whenever I want that hour, then if it's one o'clock in the morning when I do it, then it's one o'clock in the morning when I do it. You know, it's just it's what works for me so you know i have weird hours forgive me but no forgiveness is needed (laughs) no this is beautiful i this is exactly what i was hoping is that you would share some of the things that have worked for you because everybody needs to figure out what works for them you know you need to put yourself underneath the scientist's microscope and the detective's magnifying glass and you are the scientist and the detective in the scenario. And you, and you are the one underneath the magnifying glass and underneath the microscope. That's right. And the thing is, is who's really looking? There's no, there's no really magnifying glass that, except for yourself, right? I right. mean, who's really looking? We, we, you know, we set the schedule really of our own lives, right? You only live once, but at the same time, it's like, well, why are you going to drive yourself insane when you know that you have other things going on? Or if you know that, you know, I have an illness, 
You know, I, I can't make myself measure up to everybody else. And it's a lot of times it's also process over product. You know, you got to enjoy the way that you do things more than how much of it that you do in the first place. Amen. So creative sandbox way guidepost number two. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I well, I love that you figured out that for you, it's got to be an hour or it's really not worth it. That's what works for you. And you figured out that to have your, and I am also a firm believer in this, have your materials ready to go. So, you know, and work backwards from that is I would add to this, which you presumably have already figured out. So when you get to the end of whatever, you know, creative session you've had, empty and fill that water glass. You know, if you're painting and you need water for your painting session and you've got a dirty glass of water or a glass of dirty water, empty that glass of dirty water and refill it so it's ready to go the next time, even if the next time isn't for a week. That water mm -hmm. glass needs to be prepared because, gosh, human beings, we are so lazy. Lazy. <laughs> <laughs> If we're going to have to take two minutes to empty and refill a water glass in order to get started the next time, that's a hoop that we're going to have to jump through. And we don't like to jump through hoops. And a two-minute hoop, it's like, it seems ridiculous, but even a two-minute hoop or a 30-second hoop is going to be enough to stop us. So if we're going to eliminate those hoops, boy, that makes that goes a long way i've always heard that it takes it's always harder to start than it is to keep going exactly so if you can make it easier for yourself to start then once you get going it's a lot easier yeah exactly make it make your starting ridiculously achievable that's right yeah yeah so you've figured out a whole bunch of things about how to make that happen for yourself. Is there anything else that you've, that you figured out for yourself to get yourself creating? Don't be afraid to restart a painting. If you don't like it, paint it over and be unapologetic about it. I, I've gone through so many phases where it's like, Oh, but this person likes this painting or this person likes that painting or whatever. You know what? If you don't like it, paint it over. If you don't like it, like I've got, I've got so many half done pieces lying around <laughs> and it's like, you know what? Paint it over. I really don't care anymore. Just paint it over. You know, I love it. I'm life, so life is you. too short. Yeah. Life is too short. Absolutely. Save yourself a few bucks and paint it over. Yes, it's absolutely. It's about process, right? Yes. It's about process. You save yourself a few bucks or more than that if it's a, you know, <laughs> bigger like canvas and bigger board can are expensive, right? Yeah. <laughs> you save right. yourself the money, you save yourself the space, right? And right. you save yourself this like enormous mental weight. Mm -hmm. How many conversations have I had? with fellow artists about, oh, what do I do with all these paintings taking up space 
in my house, my apartment, whatever. It's not just the physical space that these paintings are taking up. It's the emotional space, the spiritual space that these paintings Amen are taking to that. up. Oh my God, it weighs us down. Mm-hmm. So we can do something about that. And the things that we can do about them are not limited to just selling or burning or throwing in the trash, right? Paint mm-hmm. over it. <laughs> Paint over it. And there's something refreshing about having that that crisp white blank canvas in front of you again. It's like feeling like it's a rebirth that's coming. Yeah. Or other things that I've done with paintings is taken the existing painting and approaching what's already on the canvas as Mm -hmm. if it were a blank canvas. Okay, now this is a little bit of a it's a little bit of a mental um, leap, but I not gessoing over it necessarily, mm-hmm. but taking what's already there as a blank starting point. So it already mm-hmm. has color. It already has line. It already has stuff on it that I've decided I don't like. That's, and I'm, and I'm like, Okay, hitting the start, hitting the reboot button in my head, instead of saying it's an it's um, an unfinished, unfinished painting, I say, okay, I'm starting a painting. This is the starting place. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, it does. And then I might, I'm going to be painting, painting on top of this, which might include covering up a whole bunch of that, what's existent already. But it doesn't necessarily mean gessoing over it, covering it up with white and going from there. Mm -hmm. It means there's existing color, and I'm going to be responding to this, but that's my starting point. So it's a little bit of a a shift from just gessoing over and starting from white, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to fix a painting that has some great pieces but some other parts of it that are skewed or or pieces that you don't like yeah and well and of course i'm an i'm primarily an abstract artist so it's 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 just a different it's an it's a different approach and it it's very i find it very liberating Mm because instead of going oh i have to i have to fix this painting it's no 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 i'm just starting I'm just re- doing a re- hitting a reboot and now I'm starting from scratch and the scratch just happens to have a lot of color and line on it already. That's great. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun liberating place to, to be. So I'm, I'm actually planning on doing that with <laughs> a lot of my <laughs> existing paintings. <laughs> liberating thing to do. So (laughs) any other tips that you have on um, managing your, your deck of cards that you've been dealt? Um, For me, I have to organize everything. Mm, Tell me more about that. Everything everything is, I'm, well, I'm organized for other people too, but I organize for myself. If everything is skewed, then my brain is too. So for me, I keep my studio and my my life in general, I guess, as organized as possible. So I find that is very cathartic. So like everything so, has a home and 
a home yeah. for everything and everything has I'm, a home. I'm one of those. I'm one of those. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I'm, I would like to be more that way. <laughs> <laughs> I admire that. And yes, I think that's awesome. Yeah. But that's pretty much what I, that's the tools and my tool belt at this point. So, yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then you also mentioned in a, in a note to me that the, my tiny and daily has been a big, a big help for you in keeping motivated for you. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So my tiny and daily sometimes doesn't only stretch in terms of, uh, drawing or painting. Mm -hmm. Sometimes for me, like for me, my, the, the dream that keeps me from being in a fetal position (laughs) at night (laughs) is the idea that I could, that I could become a professional artist at some point. So even with the disability. So for me, uh, a lot of times it could be like, I am a big Pinterest fan, plug, plug, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I enjoy also the business of art as well as art itself. So I will work on some aspect of that for myself every day. So whether it be looking up, um, and I mentioned Pinterest because they have a lot of, um, posts about, uh, art business. So I will go and look for a couple of Pinterest pins on something, or I'll look, uh, I'll read up on art business online or I'll, cause I say tiny and daily in terms of art practice, because sometimes I don't have the hour to spend with a business going myself. Sometimes I don't have an hour to spend to actually do the art work. So sometimes I'll just sit and be on Pinterest for 10 minutes in a day or, and I consider that art. I I don't know about anybody else, but for me that feels fulfilling and keeps me focused so that when I do that hour or two hours or whatever it is that I do the painting, I know that it's still propelling me forward to something else if I want, want it to. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, so that keeps me focused on that goal at some point in the future. Mm, beautiful. I love it. So the tiny and daily applies to your art business goals, as well as your art practice. That's right. That's right. It's an overall overarching kind of dream or goal, not just not just putting pen to paper or pencil to paper. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that, you know, tiny and daily is a concept that I also apply in, you know, many, many areas of my life, not just my creative practice life. So, and the guideposts, Mm -hmm. my creative sandbox way guideposts, the secret, the not so Mm -hmm. secret secret (laughs) is that they actually apply to many, 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 many areas of life, not just creative practice. So, All right, now it is time for something cool. And so today we each have, we have two something cools because Janet brought a something cool and I brought a something cool. So Janet, what is your something cool? My something cool is a documentary that you can actually find on YouTube that's called Children Full of Life. It's um, a document, the documentary is very short. It's only about 40 minutes long. And it's about a Japanese fourth grade uh, class 
and they have a teacher named Mr. Kanamori, and basically his top subject that he wants to teach the children is how to be happy. So he uses writing uh, and everyday compassion to show them that. And it's a really inspiring short film. I think you should check it out. Oh my gosh, that sounds so amazing. I can't wait to watch it. Thank you. That really sounds beyond cool. I love it. I will definitely check that out. And my something cool today is a newsletter that my friend Marsha Shandor writes. Her blog um, website is called Yes, Yes, Marsha. And Marsha is a storytelling coach. And I, I actually am subscribed to so many newsletters, but <laughs> most of them go into a separate folder and I never see them and I never even open them and I am unsubscribing little by little from most of them because, you know, we all just get way too much email, right? But Marsha's emails, Marsha's newsletters, I open almost every single time because she's a storytelling coach. And so, <laughs> and so her newsletters are always these amazing stories. They're, they're stories and they're her stories. And they're, they could be stories about like the most mundane things. And I just, I just can't stop reading them. They're just delightful. And there's always something fascinating and entertaining. And she's hysterically funny. And if you read them in your on your computer, as opposed to your phone, the links throughout if you hover over them with your mouse, the, the little tool tips or whatever, there's always a secret message underneath every link too. And I just absolutely adore Marsha. <laughs> so I'll, I'll include a link in the show notes to the Yes, Yes, Marsha newsletter. So that is today's Something Cool. Well, this has been such a fun conversation. I'm just delighted to get to share you with other listeners and get to shine a spotlight on you. And I'm Thank you so much for the letter that you wrote and the review that you wrote over on iTunes. And I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Thank you, Janet. But you're welcome. Thank you very much for your time. <laughs> Thanks a lot. This has been a real treat. Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, let me just say, I think it's really wonderful what you do. And You've been one of my mentors in all this creative journey. So I just want to say really, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. That really means a lot to me. Thank you. That's it. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Janet Fallow. Let me know if you resonated. And if you are getting value out of this podcast, share it with a friend. And don't forget to hop on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review and email it to me. Let me know how the podcast has made a difference in your life. If you would like to be considered to be featured in a listener spotlight yourself, that's how you apply and you could be on the podcast just like Janet was. That's it. Thanks again for joining me. And I'll see you next time. Go get creating. Live creative now. Live creative now. Subscribe at livecreativenow.com.